Praise God. All right. Are you all ready for an amazing word from God? Amen. Grab your Bible or whatever you use for your Bible. Those of you that are online, thank you again for uh, being a part of this service. You know, we count you in. Amen. We've, we've got a full house and uh, we got room for you, of course. You know, we put more seats out if we need to. Um, but it's good to be gathered together with you, whether in person or online. Say it out loud. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. And I do what it tells me to do. And I love my Bible. So I make this as my confession. I will meditate in it. Day and night. Monday through Friday. A chapter in the morning and a chapter in the evening. And because I do, my life is blessed. It's no more a mess. Now everything I touch, everything I touch now turns to success. You believe that? Shout hallelujah. Glory to God. Uh, be sure to read your Bibles this week. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you uh, for another opportunity to minister to these, your sheep. We pray that you will speak through my mouth, think through my mind. We pray that my words won't be with the enticing words of man's wisdom, but that my preaching and teaching today will be by demonstration of your spirit and of power, that their faith will not be in the wisdom of a man, but in the power of God. We know that not one word from you is void of power. We've come to hear from you today. So speak to our hearts. We are your servants. We say yes and amen in Jesus' name. All right. I want to continue something that we started several weeks ago that's called Don't Hide It, Divide It. And essentially, we're talking about uh, don't hide it from God, divide it with God. Tonight or today, we want to talk about being rich towards God. We get that from Luke chapter 13, verse 12, uh, Luke chapter 12, verse 13 through 21. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Then one from the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, man, who made me a judge and arbitrator over you? And he said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things that he possesses. And he spoke this parable to them, saying the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. He thought within himself, saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I'll do this. I'll pull down my barns and build greater. And there I'll store all my crops and my goods. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So. Obviously, we should be examining ourselves, whether in person or online. Are we being rich toward God? Because if we are not, then we are being foolish. 
If all we do is lay up, spend for ourselves, and never do for God, then the end may not be well with us. So what does it mean to be rich toward God? To be rich toward God, um, I remember uh, hearing Brother Hagin uh, many years ago. He, I went to his Bible school, and uh, he talked about being rich. And back in his time, he was born, I think, in 1917, somewhere along that long time ago. And they used to have four-barrel carburetors. Uh, maybe some of the guys can appreciate that statement. And there was a setting in a four-barrel carburetor. You could set it to rich. In other words, it's not the fuel-efficient setting, but it's going to be plentiful. It's not going to skimp on how much air and gas that's, you know, poured into the engine. And then, you know, if you're a baker uh, or a person who likes desserts, how many have ever eaten something that was really rich? <laughs> Amen. Just a few. Amen. And, and you know exactly what I mean. It, it's got a full supply of sugar, a full supply of butter, a, su a full supply of cream, what, what, whatever it is. Uh, and you can taste it. I mean, oh, wow, that's rich. Amen. In other words, it's not skimpy. Amen. It's not stingy. Well, we've been learning in this series from Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24. You can see it. There is one kind of person who is uh, 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 rich. They, they scatter abundantly. They, they have a full supply when they give. And they increase more. But then there's another kind of person who's skimpy or stingy. Man, they could make a penny bleed. All right. <laughs> There's one kind of person who withholds more than they should, and that leads to poverty. The next verse says, um, it, but it leads to poverty. And then it says that the generous soul will be made rich. The person who's liberal, right? Well, well they're, they're, the person who's generous, they're going to be made rich, and he who waters will be himself watered in the same. But you might think, you know, especially during a pandemic, aren't there situations and times? Maybe, you know, you lost your job. Maybe you're on furlough. Maybe, you know, you're in a financially tight situation. You know, aren't there times or situations when you should, you know, hold back and, and, and be a little bit tight with money? Yes, with others. Yeah, there might be times, if times are tight, where you withhold being generous maybe to yourself, but never is it time, even in the deepest, darkest famine in your life, should you ever withhold from God. The one that's going to get you out of the pit, the one that's going to get you out of the hole in so many instances that we dug is God. So is there ever a situation when we should be more frugal or tight with money, yes, maybe with ourselves and others, but never, somebody say never, never so with God. If you're taking notes, write this down. We should never, and I mean never, withhold from God. So if you don't like the direction of these messages, realize what you're not liking. All we're talking about is what Jesus talked about. How do we be rich towards God? 
And I hope I'm giving you plenty of scripture illustrations uh, so that you can grow and position yourself and make sure that you're being rich toward God. You know, actually, there's a story in the book of First Kings, chapter 17, that describes an individual that was in a very bad, very dire situation. I doubt there may be some. I doubt that there's anybody at this low point that would find themselves any worse. The Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 8 through 16, that the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. When he came to the gate of the city, indeed, there was a widow there. They don't know each other. She was gathering sticks. He called to her and said, Miss, please. Bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, which was phenomenal by itself, he called to her and he said to her, Oh, miss, can you please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand? Now, pause and think about this for a moment. Didn't we read that this was a time of famine? I mean, it hasn't rained and it won't rain by the space of three some years. People die for starvation and thirst in times of famine. Water is of the greatest scarcity. And because water is of such great scarcity, food is going to be extremely scarce. If you look at biblical famines, you'll see that this is the worst of worst times. Here in the United States and all over the world, we're dealing with a very serious situation. You know, the government is talking about another stimulus to help people that are just really hurting. And as your pastor, I, I know some of you may be online. There may be people here, and this is the worst of times, and all you talk about is money, 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 money. And you're just talking about money, money, and you're talking about giving to God at the worst. Pastor, I would give to God if I could give to God, but I don't have anything right now. Can you imagine where this woman is? I mean, we're going to see where, what, what level of place she is in, but God had commanded her. In other words, God talked to this woman about giving. Woo. Let me say it clearly so you get this. We just read that the Spirit of God spoke to a man of God and said, I want you to leave where you are and go to a certain city. I have, I have already commanded a woman to provide for you. What kind of mess is that? That'll hit the news. Preacher lives off widow's uh, fixed income. I mean, I really need you to understand what is happening here. What is God saying? See, if you don't put seed in the ground, God has nothing to multiply. Amen. Your seed, you live by your seed. God knows what things you have need of even before you ask him. But he needs your seed in order to provide the manifestation of what already belongs to you. So this widow woman, I mean, I mean, of the scarcest of times, God had already talked to her, to her about him. They didn't know each other. They were stra absolute strangers. So imagine a stranger coming to a gate of the city. God dealt with me to come to this city. And sure enough, there's a widow. She's not married. I don't know how he could tell, but he says that she's not married. And she's there gathering sticks, you know, so forth and so on. And he asks, 
the most severe. Can you give me the rarest commodity that's, you know, on the earth? Can I have a little water? And check this out. She had enough in her to be on her way to go get it. All right. right? And she was going to give him what the, was the rarest of, of all. But then as she went, he said, oh, miss, can you give me something to eat? I am so hungry. You all know how it is to get hungry. And then we pick back up. So she said, as the Lord your God lives. So she must have known that he was a man of God. I don't have bread. Only a handful of flour. And a little oil in a jar. And see, look, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself. And my son that we may eat it and die. You know, I haven't been uh, as blessed as I am. I've been there where all I had in the refrigerator was a jar of water and nothing in the cabinets. I've been at very, very low places. And I'm sure there's people, uh, you all minister to the homeless, uh, you know, very often. We, we do as a congregation. And, um, you know, there are people that have next to nothing. Look at the place that she is in. And God's talking to her about sowing in a time of famine. Absolutely, yes. Why? Because the God of abundance needs your seed in order for he to multiply. So she's expecting that we're about to go make the last little bit that we have. Me and my son, and we're expecting after that, we're going to die. We're at a low point. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake first from it. Make me a small cake from it first. Don't eat for yourself. Do it for me first. Somebody say, put God first. And bring it to me, and then after you bring it to me, make some for yourself and for your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. Somebody say, wow. Wow, she went and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor the jar of oil ran dry, according to the word that the Lord spoke by Elijah. Amen? Somebody say, do not fear. What would keep you from being rich toward God? It would be fear. And specifically, the fear of running out. I mean, she was at her last. Think about it. There's a kind of person who's generous. They give even if it costs themselves and they increase more. But there's a kind of person will hold back from giving, especially, you know how it is when you're at the end of your toothpaste. I mean, at the beginning of your toothpaste, you are very generous. You have suds coming out of your mouth. like, Come on, y'all help me now. I mean, just, I mean, you lather, it's spilling all off. But you let, you, you, get, you get down to that last quarter of the tube of your toothpaste, and all of a sudden you don't put as much on the tube. 
You get back down to that. It's amazing how the last little bit in the, in the, in the jar catch up last. It'll last for a few weeks. Come on, you, you'll pour it at the beginning of it. You know, when you have a whole lot, you put that on there and you'll be rinsing ketchup off into the sink. But you let it get down to the last. You'll shake it. You'll pop that thing. You, come on, y'all help me now. You, 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 it, see, you'll try to just squeak it out, make it last and make it stretch. What would keep a person holding back? It's the fear of running out. Somebody say the fear of running out. You see, the fear of running out or not having enough, the fear of, like, if I give this, if, if I empty that account and give to God to celebrate Jesus' birthday, and this is my last bit of money, then I'm not going to have enough. When an emergency comes, I'm not going to have enough. When a situation comes, I'm not going to have enough. And so I'm going to withhold from giving to God and I'm going to be rich toward myself. God says, that's dangerous. You should never withhold from God. He's the one that will get you to the next level. Let the church say amen. Now, what I find extremely interesting is we've been reading over this past few weeks, we've been reading Luke chapter 12 similarly every week. Let's go back, and I just want to teach you to not withhold from God and be rich toward God. In Luke chapter 12 and verse 21, in the last, he, we left off, he says, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So what does it mean to be rich toward God? Well, he then said to his disciples, He's actually going to teach them. So he said to his disciples, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you shall put on. Why would a person worry about their life? It's for fear of running out. Why would a person worry about their food? Why would a person worry about shelter? Why would a person worry about provision? Why would a person even worry about protection or transportation? It's for fear of running out. Of course, I should think about it. I mean, I'm coming down to the end of the month. I'm coming down to my last. There's a car note due. There's a there, the, the visa is due. The insurance. I got to have insurance. I got to have enough gas to get to work. I can't give to God because I might run out. Oh, y'all didn't get that. Come on. Come on now. Why would a person worry about their life? You see, it seems it seems responsible. A person would, would, would worry about their life for fear of not having enough. And as a result of being afraid of not having enough, they will withhold from God. Look at the next verse. He keeps going. He says, consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. <laughs> they don't plant seed and reap a harvest, which neither storehouse and barn. How many of y'all know if you plant seed, <laughs> you're going to reap a harvest and you'll need to have a barn to put that harvest in? Am, am I right? Well, he says the ravens, they neither sow nor reap. They, neither, they, they have neither storehouse nor barn, but God feeds them. How much more value are you than the birds? 
Am I preaching good today? Come on. We're the ones that get to sow and reap a harvest. We're the ones that if we trust in the Lord with all our heart, lean not our own understanding. If we honor the Lord with our services, our barns will be filled with plenty. We're the ones that are able to have a storehouse. They don't, and God takes care of them. How much more important than a bird are you? If you're at a place where you're at your last, you don't have to worry about running out. Even if you give your last to God, you can believe that one way or another, someday or another, he will open to you the windows of heaven and pour out for you more than enough blessing than you have room enough to receive. But if you withhold from God, you give him no opportunity and you end up going on scrapping and trying to make it happen in your own strength. Sparrows don't listen to news reports. The sparrow doesn't worry about tomorrow and the trouble that it brings. The night's not worrying about day. The, the summer's not worrying about winter. Amen. You don't have to worry about tomorrow. And then in Luke chapter 12 and verse 25, this whole entire passage is about being rich toward God. He says in verse 25, 26, he says, and which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Look at this. If you then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? If you're not able to pay, you know, the, 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 the car note, why would you be anxious about paying the car completely off? You can't do it in your own strength. But if you give it to God, oh, come on, somebody. If, you give, if you're not able to do the little part, if you're not able to take care of the little thing, then why would you even be worried about the bigger thing? Somebody say it out loud. Give it to God. Why does a person worry for fear of not having enough if I give this then I won't have that but that's not how it works in the kingdom in Luke 12 and 27 um, I think I read that okay no I didn't consider the lilies how they grow they neither toil nor spin yet I say to you even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these, you could play something soft for me. Who provides for the lilies of the field? The God of abundance does. The grass doesn't worry about tomorrow. God provides for the grass to grow. Aren't you much more important than that? He says, yet yeah, they, they, they don't work at all. You might be in a situation where you're not even working. Well, the grass doesn't work and God takes care of them. You can believe and trust that even without employment, God will take care of you. But what does he need? He needs your obedience. He needs your willingness. He needs your service. He needs your seed in order to cause his abundance to be manifest in your life. Jesus uses Solomon as an example. I don't know if you've ever read the story of Solomon, probably the richest person ever walked on the planet. I mean, Warren Buffett, I heard just the other day, somebody said that Warren Buffett has $80 billion with a B. He has a, a man that has this net worth. If you cash everything out and if he checked in today, 
that he would have 80 billion dollars to his name. Solomon was one of the most wealthiest men on the planet. God made him rich. Who provided that for Solomon? God did. The Bible tells of the story that God appeared to Solomon in a dream. I'm going to deal with this on Dreams and Visions on, on, on Wednesday night this week. If you've got time, please come back and check it out. But in 1 Kings chapter 3, God appeared to Solomon in a dream. He says, ask what I can give you. He didn't say, I need more money. I, wanted to, I want to expand my house. I want to. He, he said, God, give me wisdom so I can do what you called me to do at an excellent level. And God was amazed at what he asked in the dream. And he said, you know, Solomon, I'm going to give you that. I'm going to give you wisdom. But I'm also, because you didn't ask for your enemies, you didn't ask for yourself, I'm going to give you what you didn't ask. I'm going to, in, in 1 Kings 3 and, and 13, in the NIV, he says, moreover, I'm going to give you what you have not asked for. I'm going to give you wealth. I'm going to give you honor. So that in your lifetime, you will have no equal among kings. The Bible tells that he was rich. One day, the queen of Sheba heard of how wealthy and how wise Solomon was. She came with a whole bunch of stuff. She saw his house and how he went up and, and, and all the wealth. Listen, the blessing of the Lord will make you rich. Amen. God is a God of abundance. Listen to this. In 1 Samuel, uh, 1 Kings, oh, I think I gave you the wrong uh, reference. The Bible says, so don't put it up. In 1 Kings 10.10, 10, he says, then the king, then she gave the king 120 talents of gold, spices in great quantity, and precious stones. There never again came such abundance of spices as the Queen of Sheba gave to the King Solomon. Look up at me for a moment. Jesus says, the birds, the grass, they don't worry. They're not afraid. They don't have to withhold for fear of running out because God takes care of them. And you're far more important to them. And then he says, consider Solomon in all his glory. Wasn't even arrayed like one of the birds or the grass of the field. Look at how God took care of Solomon, brought wealth and increase into the life. The Bible says that this woman brought 120 talents of gold. I looked it up last night. A talent of gold weighs at least 72 pounds. It could be more. 72 pounds. An ounce, somebody say an ounce. An ounce of gold is $1,844.72. When you do the math, 16 ounces in one pound. If you were to buy a one pound block of gold today, it would cost you $29,515.52. And that's just for one pound. A talent is 72 pounds. You do the math. She gave Solomon $255 million, $255,044,093. million. That's not even a tithe of what Bill, uh, not Bill Gates, but Warren Buffett has. What am I saying to you? Don't withhold from God. You can be rich toward God. Amen. You can be rich toward God. He's a safe place for investment. Amen.
we conclude with Luke 12 and verse 30. We have no reason to fear what tomorrow brings. The Bible says Jesus capped this by saying, do not fear little flock for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I said, do not fear little flock for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I said, do not fear little flock for it is your father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. So today we simply looked at how to be rich toward God. We do it by not withholding from God. We do it by not being afraid of running out. We do it by not being afraid of not having enough. Be generous towards him. And I believe that you will be blessed. Did you all get anything out of this today? Amen. Amen. For those of you that are online or in-house and you're not born again, can we pray for you? Say this prayer. Mean it from your heart. God will save you and you'll begin a journey with him and we'll welcome you into the faith family. Say it out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, I do believe that Jesus Christ, that he died for my sins, that you raised him from the dead. Come into my life. I do repent. Save me from my sins. Thank you, Father. I say this as a pastor and spiritual authority. May the Lord bless you. And may the Lord keep you, faith family. May the Lord lift up his countenance towards you. And be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you all next time.